Father, we just thank you, we praise you, we worship you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Twenty days, Lord, into this tenth month. Stand in your name, in your presence. We proclaim our God is God and He is sovereign. Always in control. And we are blessed to be your children. Privileged to be your servants, Lord. Nothing, absolutely nothing, I pray, will move us, O Father. Because we know whose we are. And we know he's in control. So this morning, I commit all your children, everywhere, Lord, into thy hands. And I pray each one will stand steadfast in faith. Unshakable, immovable, Lord. Because, Lord, we know the end of the story. We have read the end of the book. We know what our end is. And therefore we can thank you. We can praise you forever, Lord. Be with us, Lord, as we study your word. That one book, we very specially encouraged your people to read so that we are prepared for the end of all things as we see it, Lord. I pray we will receive it, Lord. What we read, what we hear, we will receive it. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 So we are back with Philadelphia. And we start once again from verse 7. To the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These things says he who is holy, he who is true, he who has the key of David, he who opens and no one shuts and shuts and no one opens the powerful, powerful introduction to this church, the fourfold introduction, self-introduction of Jesus to the church in Philadelphia. And then that one simple line, I know your works. Okay, nothing matters after that. I know your works. Nothing is described, but I know your works. But the nature of your works is such that I have set before you an open water. Okay, open door. And no one can shut it. Okay? No one can shut it. So he says, I know your works. Then if you notice, comma, see, comma. Okay? That's an important, important distinction that is made. He says, see, see. Because the thing is that a lot of us have these issues in life. We have noticed that there are open doors and we do not see. We do not see. We do not see. Okay, we do not see. Blindness in the kingdom of God, I'm talking about spiritual blindness in the kingdom of God, it's not a virtue. It's not a virtue. It's a judgment. We know that when the the Sodomites in Sodom of every age gathered around Lord's house, first thing that the angel did was they blinded them. And they could not see the door. They could not see the door. And they grew weary searching for the door. Searching for the door. They grew weary. The door was there, but they couldn't see the door. And often Christians go through life, going through situations, and the door is there. The door is there. But because they are so caught up, like the people in Lot's time of they were caught in their sin. But we can be caught with our anxieties or worries or fears. 
whatever it is we are caught up with, we are not able to see. Okay, remember the woman at Zarephath, the famine has hit, things are getting worse and worse and worse and worse and worse and she is coming to the end of her strength. She's got very little strength left, enough dough, enough oil to make a few cakes, eat and die. And she's come to that point and yet Elijah is standing before her and all she can see is death and not life. She doesn't know the man who's standing before her is the open door to sustain her through famine. Okay, and this is what happened. If you turn with me to just a couple of verses, Jeremiah chapter 1, 11 and 12, and then Ephesians 1, 18. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Jeremiah, what do you see? What do you see? And I said, I see a branch of an almond tree. Then the Lord said to me, you have seen well, for I am ready to perform my word. So you need to realize that God cannot perform his word in our lives unless we see well. Unless we see well. If you don't see, he's not able to. Okay, And that's that's our situation. What do we see? Like in every situation, God is asking us, what do you see? If you look at the uh, feeding of the 5,000, he throws this question, so let us feed them. And they're not able to see. They're not able to see. Because it's not that they don't see. What they see is shut doors. They said, six months wages won't be enough to give them a mouthful. What do they see? A door that is shut. The next one says, there's one little boy with a little dabba, five loaves and two fish. That's what they see. They're not able to see what Jesus is saying. So he says, give it to me. Put your situation into my hands so that I will show you how I look at situations. And then what he does, feeds all of them. So in Ephesians 1.18, this is what Paul's prayer and should be our prayer in whatever situation we are caught in. He says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And what does it do? The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know. What is the hope is his calling? What are the riches of his glory in his inheritance in the saints that we might actually see? See, and that's what actually happens to people. That when they go through life, they are only able to see the temporal. And they are not able to see the eternal. If you don't see the eternal, what happens is the temporal will always bring us down. So again, we go back to that that powerful verses of Paul in Second Corinthians four sixteen onwards. Okay, sixteen and to eighteen. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Why? Because though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. See, only those people who are able to see, because outward is a reality. We have to live with the reality. The older you get each day, you face the outward reality. You know. You are just sustaining strength, but in the process you are also losing. Okay, you are losing. You are losing time, you are losing strength, you are losing everything. The only thing, two things you can gather in the outward man has time progresses is wealth and knowledge. Okay, uh, but but it doesn't make any difference how much wealth you gather or how much knowledge you gather because you know outwardly you are perishing. But if you are able to see something else, experience something else, that the inward man, 
the inward man, the other person, okay, inward man is being renewed. If the inward man is, the, that's the reality. Inward man is not perishing or should not perish or should be at a standstill. He is being renewed. He's actually growing stronger and stronger by the day. And then you are able to see the, the affliction, the affliction, because we are talking about tribulation, moving into tribulation perilous times, but you are able to see perilous times as light affliction, because you know even the great tribulation is only for seven years, maximum three and a half of the second half. Okay? It's only seven years, of which I believe the first three and a half will be very bad for those who believe in Christ. The Christians. Very bad. And the second three and a half will be very bad for the Jews. Okay, but even that in the light of eternity, how much is three and a half years? Which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. So if we are not able to see this, because the things that we see, verse 18, things, we do not look at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. So the whole thing is this. The key to endurance, because we'll come, you have given, you have obeyed my command to persevere to endure. The key to enduring anything in the kingdom of God, enduring anything, is to see the invisible. That is the key. That is the key, able to see the invisible. If Moses was able to endure, it's because he saw the invisible. If you don't, that is what faith actually does. Not the kind of faith we are talking about today. The biblical faith sees the invisible, the unseen. And that is what causes you to endure, persevere. So that's where it comes. God says, see. He tells the church, no, because the problem is you have very little strength. Very little strength. You have kept my word. You have not denied my home, my, my name. But because you're caught in this situation that you have very little strength, the problem is you will not look at the door that is open before you. Because you will look for doors which are proportional to your strength. Proportional to your strength. That is our issue. We will look for doors that are proportional to our strength. We do not look at doors which are proportional to his strength. Okay. So having a little strength is not a very bad thing. But the question is, do you see? Do you see? Okay. So I don't know whether you ever read for your children that story called the little engine that could. I don't know if you have heard. There was this circus train that was going where the engine, uh, engine failed. But this, uh, circus train full of animals, and this is it's a toy story for children. The ch- train had to go to the next town because all the children were waiting for the show. But they asked at the railway uh, yard for different engines and every engine said no because one said no, I carry people, I cannot do all the circus things. Another one said I carry goods and everything. Then there was one small engine which was used for shunting. Okay, the engine said uh, I am willing but I have very little strength. I don't know whether I can go over the hill and reach the other thing. Okay, so the thing is that this little engine will, they finally have no 
choice so they get the little engine and the intelligence they pump it with encouragement and it goes puff 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 and finally it makes it across and reaches the town and all the children are happy so it talks about the the little engine that could so these are all basically christian stories taken put in forms for little children how you should never never despise little children never despise the day of small beginnings don't despise these little things because all through the bible if you look god has usually used little people so god says over there in you, know, you have very little strength in verse 8 you have very little strength okay very little strength I know you are works see I have said before you an open door no one can shut it for you have a little strength have kept my word and have not denied my name okay so when you come to verse 9 because we looked at that verse 9 indeed i will make those of the synagogue of satan who say they are jews and are not but lie indeed i will make them and come worship before your feet to know that i have loved you okay so the kingdom of god on earth when it comes is called the throne of david it's called the throne of david jesus is going to come and sit on the throne of david so there are true, true jews and there are false jews and the attack on the true is always by the by the false but when he comes when the kingdom actually comes it will be absolute total humiliation for his enemies in 1 first corinthians 15 24 and 25 we look at the, what jesus is trying to tell you see the pattern is there then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to god the father when he puts an end to all rule and authority and power right now he's still ruling but he's not manifesting he's waiting to see the overcomers who will put all his enemies under their feet in our personal lives of a battle against sin the world and satan then he will manifest himself very soon with those overcomers and the angels and rule earth for a thousand years so he will bring all his enemies under his feet then satan will be released for a short while he will gather all the people against him and that is the end of all the enemies of god okay so that's what the to philadelphia is a picture of what will happen okay yeah let's go there 29 3939 okay so i will make them come and worship before your feet and to know that i have loved you so when the overcomers actually come with jesus okay all their enemies will realize they are the ones whom god actually loved you see pictures all that in the old testament isaiah 49:23 king shall be your foster fathers and their queens your nursing mothers they shall bow down to you with their faces to the earth and lick up the dust of your feet then you will know that i am the lord for they shall not be ashamed who wait for me okay if you come to isaiah chapter 60 and verse 14 again you have the same no also the sons of those who afflicted you shall come bowing to you and all those who despised you shall 
fall prostrate at the soles of your feet. Then they shall call you the city of the Lord, Zion of the Holy One of Israel. Okay, this is personally typified through Joseph. You will see ultimately everyone will come and bow before him. Okay, so in Philippians chapter 2, 9 to 11, this is what scripture says about Jesus. Therefore, God has also highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. He says, you will have enemies. You just humble yourself and stay quiet under my hand. Humble thyself. What will happen? At the end, you will see what he did to Jesus. He gave him the name which is above every name. And at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. And those in heaven, those on earth, those under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Okay, so this is what the Bible is talking about. This is what he's telling in Revelation 3 verse 9 to Philadelphia. Because you have, you know, because you have stood there, he says, you have so many enemies. Okay, and they claim to be Jews, meaning they claim to be true. They claim they are the real ones. And you know, Jesus had warned them. Days will come when anyone who kills you will think they are doing you a, a favor. And you will see that pattern is there. Right, even right now it is there. But he says, there will be a turning around of situations. There is a millennial reign that is coming. That everyone who did this to my people will come at your feet and beg you for mercy. Because suddenly there will be an inversion where you will rule over them for a thousand years. Okay? So this is what God is talking about. Now coming to verse 10. Because you kept my command to persevere. Okay? So it is the most important command for believers. Believers. When you get saved and come into the kingdom of God, the most important command Especially in the last days, because as the things get worse and worse, the most important command is to endure. You don't have to endure everything if everything is going for you. You have to endure when things are going against you. Okay, And that's why the Bible says there is going to be a total breakdown of everything that is happening. Okay, The thing is because at every level of human life, and nature, corruption has set in. Okay? Everything is breaking down. Honestly, if you look at it logically, we are living at a time where knowledge and technology has reached its peak. Yet we are living in the most miserable of times. Miserable of times. And the reason is something has taken place. And God says, the command is to endure. The command is to endure. So we have pictures in the Old Testament like Joseph, Daniel, his three friends. Endure, hang in there. Because we saw yesterday, compromise is a very slippery slope. Very slippery slope. Once you go down, you roll very, very swiftly. Remember Mr. and Mrs. Lot. Okay. So compromise is a very, very slippery slope. What is the opposite of endure? It's compromise. We are talking about believers. What is the opposite of endure? Hang in there. Stay steadfast. It's compromise. But if you compromise, you slip down very fast. So the question is, what all things should we endure? 
first and foremost, we should endure in our faith. We should endure in our love. And then, automatically we will endure in our hope. We should endure in the works of God. Meaning, not just continue, but it should abound. Trusting God for open doors. Okay, We should endure in our prayer life. So all these things and more, God says, you should endure. And if you endure, he says, I will keep you from the hour of trials. Hour of trial that is coming upon the whole earth. To those who dwell on the earth. Okay, There are two takes on this. And we need to accept both. One is, one group, godly group, talks about rapture talks of rapture, where he keeps an open door, you escape. The other group actually talks about protection in the midst of tribulation. Okay, so you see the picture in Peter, in Second Peter 2.9, about Noah or Lot, whichever you want to talk about. The Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust under punishment for the day of judgment. So he knows how to do both at the same time. Okay, Unlike Enoch, Noah and Lot had to come through the tribulation. Okay, And we saw the pattern in Israel. This was the pattern in uh, Egypt. The plagues was upon Egypt, but Israel was preserved under judgment. We saw the three friends of Daniel who were protected in the fire. We saw Daniel being protected in the lion's den. Okay, now this is the key. So the key is that God says, I, I know your works. And I set an open door for you. You have very little strength. You have a, you have a little strength. You have not denied my word. You have kept my word. You have not denied my name. I see all these enemies that hate you, surround you. Don't worry. One day I will make them your footstool. Okay, footstool. Every enemy of Jesus Christ will ultimately bend their knee whether they like it or not and acknowledge that he is Lord. He is Lord. Okay. And then he tells the church, because you obeyed my command to persevere, I will keep you. Okay. I will keep you. So it can be either if you go to Isaiah chapter 26 and read from 19 to 21. 26. Your dead shall live. Together with my dead body they shall arise. Awake and sing, you who dwell in dust. For your dew is like the dew of herbs and the earth shall be cast out of the dead. This is talking about a scenario where rapture is taking place. On the other side, come my people, enter your chamber, shut your doors behind you, hide yourself as it were for a little moment until the indignation is past. For behold, the Lord comes out of his place to punish the inhabitants of the earth for the iniquity. The earth will also disclose her blood and there will be no more cover her slain. So you have these two pictures even in the book of Isaiah. One is talking about rapture. When rapture takes the Bible, says the dead also will rise. Okay, talks about a picture there. And the other is he's saying, get into your chambers and hide until his indignation is, is past. Okay, so he can keep us from or keep us through. Okay? He will keep us from the trial is a rapture school from the world wide this thing and keep us through is the other school. 
Okay, in Daniel 12.1. Daniel 12.1. At the time Michael shall stand up, the great prince who stands watch over the ones of sons of your people, and there shall be a time of trouble such as never was seen there was a nation, even to that time. At that time your people shall be delivered, everyone who is found written in the book. So this is talking about the trial that will come. In Jeremiah 30 and verse 7, this is how that hour is called, that seven years, or that great tribulation is called. Alas, for that day is great, so that none is like it, and it is the time of Jacob's trouble, but he shall be saved out of it. In Matthew twenty four twenty one, this is what Jesus says. Twenty four twenty one. For then there will be great tribulation, such as has not been since the beginning of the world until this time. No, and never shall be. Okay? So it is talking about something that is going to happen on the world. And you will see that the same uh, reference to in Thessalonians, the first letter written, preparing people for the first Thessalonians 1.10 and 5. Okay? 1.10. And 5, 9, and 10. And wait for his son from heaven, <clears throat> who he raised from the dead, even Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. Okay, there's a time coming. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. So, Throughout the Bible, it talks about an hour that is coming, a time, a period that is coming like never the world has ever seen. And it will be characterized by absolute hatred against God's people. Okay? So, we will see It's playing out, even today we will see playing out, and that is why Israel is battling actually against time. Yet they cannot go in, because it is not like what we think about going in, because of the tunnels, and the densely populated streets, and the underground tunnels, and the casualties they will suffer, and the casualties they may cause. All these things that are happening over here, we will see, but we know it is coming. It is coming, it's getting closer and closer. And the only reason if it is delayed is because the bridegroom has delayed. It has got nothing to do with us. It is nothing to do with the systems that are in place or the Antichrist. Because if it was given to the devil, it would start today. It would start today. It would have started yesterday. Because he knows he's got very little short time. But if it is not happening, if it is delayed, it is only because the bridegroom has delayed and the bride has cried out for the salvation of those who are around her. So when you come to verse 11 of Revelation chapter 3, he says, Behold, I am coming quickly. Hold fast what you have that no one may take your crown. So whenever God uses that term, I am coming swiftly or quickly. The usual way people look at it is that 2,000 years are over. What is this quickly? Okay, what is quickly? But that's not what he says. He says, 
when these things happen, it will happen so quickly. Okay, that's what we are seeing. Convergence, we call it, okay? When you have these things, it's like, it's literally, that's why he uses, I mean, it's so beautiful that Jesus uses illustrations which every man can understand. Because we will use illustrations which special groups will understand. The educated will understand. And even among the educated, those who are educated in certain streams will understand. If I use a illustration from Shakespeare, only literature people will understand. If I use a illustration from medical science, only those who are doctors will understand. So different, but that's not how Jesus. Jesus always uses illustrations which are commonplace. So he uses an illustration which every man, even if he hasn't gone through it, his wife has. So he uses labor pains. And when it comes to labor pains, you will realize that before the baby is born, the contractions accelerate. And that's what the doctors usually will say. You time it, and when it is close, come to the hospital. You don't have to come early. Many ones go, and then they come back. Because they say the time hasn't come in yet. So we look at the labor, we look at wars. But wars have been like when World War took place, everybody thought end this year. Second World War took place, they thought the end this year. So each of the wars, or earthquake took place. But then, when it is happening with the rapidity, the convergence is happening, earthquakes and pestilence and wars and ethnic conflicts all around happening faster and faster, we know the time is up. The time is almost, almost there. So he talks of, behold, I am coming quickly. I am coming quickly. So we saw, we have said this over and over again. We see in Joseph's case, when deliverance came, it was so swift. So swift. You go to sleep a slave and you go to sleep the next day as a prince. It was so swift. And in normal life, I tell because we Indians understand that. In normal life, it does not happen, okay? Like in, in, uh, in modern terms, like uh, Indian, Indian terms, we will use in bureaucracy, we will call it as the principal secretary to the prime minister or the cabinet secretary. To become cabinet secretary, do you know, first he has to clear the IES, which very few people clear. Then go through that service up, up and up and hope before he retires, the previous fellow will retire. He has a chance. And then look for favor that the PM may pick you. So very few. If you look at India, 75 years of history, you can talk about billions and billions of people have come and gone and look how many principal secretaries we had. Okay. We will see probably it is less than 10. Or maybe, okay? So when you are talking about uh, swiftly, you look at Joseph. In one day, he became the number two in the country. In one day, the rice was so fast. In the same way, you look at Israel's history in Egypt. 430 or 50, whichever way you want to look at it, years of slavery. But the deliverance was in one day. Deliverance is one day. Or in a practical, simple, personal life of people when Jesus was walking through Israel. Man sitting there for 38 years. He was delivered in a moment. The woman with an issue of blood, when she touched, was free in one moment. The 18 years bend over when Jesus spoke one minute, okay? This is what he is talking about. And this is where we have, that is, see, if you don't see that, you will not endure. 
Because okay, you endured something for 10 years and your deliverance is another 10 years, then you know you will lose hope. You will lose hope. Okay, you will lose. But that's not what God says. God says it will be so sudden. It will be so sudden. So hang in there. And that is where all the miracles of Jesus Christ are important because these are signs to various things which God does in the lives of his people. It can happen so fast and so suddenly. Okay, so God says, hold fast. Don't cave in at the end of the race. Don't cave in at the end of the race. If you look at David, no? All David's soldiers also caved in. But nobody had any clue he was coming to the end and his deliverance was going to happen just like that. Because it looked so dark. Okay? It looked so dark. It looked so impossible that he himself 16 months earlier had quit on it. Okay, if I go on like this, all will kill me. And he went in. And now things have become worse. He's literally like his son Absalom hanging there. The Philistines don't want him. The Israelites don't want him. Every man's hand was against him. Even his own loyalty is all alone. But that is where real enduring faith will show up. When everyone gave up, David did not give him or give, give up on himself. He encouraged himself in the Lord. The next thing we know is that within three days he's king. It's over. It's finished. His enemy is dead. Israel will, um, Hebron, he'll get crowned at Hebron and everything is over. And if you ask, why was it so? If you look at these people like Joseph or Daniel or David, what is so different about them is that they held fast. They held fast to the promise they had. They held fast to the promise they had. They refused to quit. The preview. That's why we say the power of an unfulfilled promise. The power of an unfulfilled promise. Now let me ask the question. Why can believers go through life and willing to suffer loss? Because of the unfulfilled promise. I am going to prepare a place for you. In my father's house, there are many mansions. If I go, I will come back and I will take you where I am going. It's an unfulfilled promise. Unfulfilled promise. But it's a very powerful promise. Very, very powerful promise. And it's an eternal promise. Looking at that promise, we can through and by faith let go of the temporal things. Because we know, ultimately, we are not going to lose. We cannot lose. This is what gives. Because if you hold on, like if you hold on to the temporal, you will lose the eternal. On the other hand, if you let go of the temporal, you will receive the eternal. Okay? Even, even anything, even in material things, even in things. Okay? When two people had to make a choice, Lord held on to the temporal, but some years later, he will lose everything. Abraham refused to lift up his head. He let go of the temporal. But because he let go of the temporal, his children and he will inherit it forever. The very earth, the very earth we are talking about, will go to the sons of Abraham. 
who let go. So that is, we, we are not only talking about spiritual things. When the Bible says the meek shall inherit the earth. Okay? Meek of the earth. I do believe, this is, this is my take. Okay? I can be wrong. This is my take. Even in from Revelation 21, when we begin eternity after the thousand, the thousand year rule of Jesus Christ is only a model of what is going to happen in eternity. Okay, in the opposed that in the um, eternity comes, the Bible talks about earth also there, and it says the kings of the earth shall bring their glory into the city. I do believe the kings will be ruling. These are the ones, the meek who have inherited the earth, and they will rule the earth forever and ever. But while they were living on earth, they were not. They didn't live like that. They held on to the temporal very, very loosely. But they clung to the eternal. Clung to the eternal. Okay? If you don't see these things, if you don't, that's what Jesus is saying. There's going to be a tremendous inversion on the day of judgment. The first will become the last. Everything will change on that day. And these are the things by the same. So if you look at it, it is the same thing which is talking. Hold fast. Behold, I'm coming quickly. Hold fast. Okay, so you will see the command is the Jude will say content, hang in there, fight for those things which was handed once and for all to the saints. Okay, in Second Thessalonians two fifteen, therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which you were taught, whether by words or our epistles. He says, you know what. When the whole world is changing and churches are also changing, he says, you don't change. You don't change. Because he said that the things which God has ordained, how we should function as Christians and as a church should not change. And the pressure from the system, brother from carnal believers, the pressure from every group is to change. And the pressure comes on the leadership is to change to please the people. But he says, stand fast, brethren, stand fast. Hold the traditions which you were taught, whether by word or our epistle. You need to realize, let us look at it because you're talking about ministry, right? Okay. There were churches who refused to change the traditions that was in the Bible and in the church for 2000 years. What is that? It is men who have been ordained for ministry. They refuse to change it. And you could do whatever you wanted with them, refuse to change. But the ones who gave in to pressure, if you look in every case, the ones who gave in to pressure and allowed the women to be ordained and came in to ministry are also the ones who are now buckling and allowing homosexuals and transgenders to come into ministry. But the ones who stayed true to the beginning refused to bend. So if you did not bend under the wind of feminism, you are not going to bow under the wind of homosexuality and transgenderism. But you made a concession there. The problem, this is the slope, slippery slope of uh, compromise. You make a compromise here. The problem is then you will start bending down and down and down and down and down. Okay, so you will read. That's what the God is, God is telling us. He says, you know what? Stand fast, stand fast, stand fast. Hold the tradition. Again, Hebrews 4.14. Seeing then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, 
Jesus the son of God let us hold fast our confession this is the same thing which is said in hebrews uh, 12 1 and 2 also the same thing okay same thing okay we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses so what do they teach us the endurance of faith how to endure hang in there hang in there hang in there this this path is not easy because he said it is not easy it is not that he made it difficult it is being it is difficult because of what is promised at the end what is promised at the end is eternal authority and he says therefore the path is horrendous therefore he says keep your eyes on christ jesus verse 2 you will see keep your eyes on Christ Jesus the author and the finisher of our faith who for the joy that was set before him he endured he held fast he endured he endured okay so if you look at all these people almost everyone in hebrews chapter 11 what is common about all of them is that all of them had first a little strength they were not strong people they were they had a very little strength in their contemporary culture and society they lived in they had very little strength but they kept his word and they did not deny his name and they obeyed his command to persevere and therefore you will see the same thing which god is talking about and then coming back okay to that words we will just do that words today and we will go to prayer Behold I am coming quickly hold fast what you have that no one may take your crown see nobody can take your salvation somebody can take your crown nobody can take your salvation but somebody can take your crown okay somebody can take your crown okay somebody can take your crown okay so god talks about what do we need he says you know your crown is not your salvation it's your reward it's your reward okay and therefore he says your everything if you look at first corinthians chapter 3 13 and 14 we have to see how will we get it okay each one's work will become clear for the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is if anyone's work which he has built on it endures he will receive a reward he will receive a reward so he says hold fast don't let anybody else steal your crown so what happens what does it mean anybody else stealing your crown he runs better than you no you're running your race but what the devil if you look at look at life and if you look at the pictures in the bible you will see what the devil does is that he uses situations and primarily people to cause you to stop running cause you running okay so what happens is the devil is a thief he comes to steal to kill to destroy So the devil is a thief so what does he want to steal from the believer his crown not that he gets it but he can see to it that you lose it you lose it lose it and it is always through situations and through people okay so you will have job going through a whole set of situations it is orchestrated by the devil 
allowed by God and he comes through it all and then he turns and uses the wife. He comes through that. Then he gets three friends and he starts falling apart. And that's what God is talking about. You have to endure. Okay, because the crown, there are primarily five crowns the Bible talks about in James chapter 1 and verse 12. Blessed is the man who endures temptation. Temptation, it also means trials and testing. You have to endure it. How long will it last? You don't know. You don't know. For when he has been approved, in Joseph's case it was 13 years. Okay, in Jim, Jim David's case it was, they say, 14 to 16 years. Moses it was 40 years. Okay, how long it will be, we do not know. But God says you have to endure it. Because if you endure it, what you're going to receive is a different kind of a crown. What is it? It's a crown of life. Because what did, what was the whole purpose of this temptation or this trial? Was to make you choose a different kind of life which the devil was offering. If you bow and worship me, I will give you all this. So it's offering a different life. A different life. Okay. So every temptation, every trial is against or uh, made in such a way that you will go for a life that is temporal. Satisfies temporarily, but in the process you lose the eternal. Okay? So God says, blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life. Now we know this from scripture, from John 17 and verse 3, if I'm right. Yeah, this is eternal life. That they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. So what is God talking about? He says, those who endure trials, temptations, will get to know God. Get to know God. Like others cannot get to know God. Get to know God. Others cannot get to know God. Okay? Because usually trials and temptations and testings are actually the testing of your relationship. Okay, like on last uh, Tuesday when I spoke to the pastors, I said that, no? Marriages that are really deep and strong is where the couple have learned to come through suffering. Suffering can either split you, where you actually start disliking you, because like, I don't think at the end of the story, Job really liked his wife. Because she refused to go with him through it. Refused to go through with him at the end of it. Okay, because she said, curse God and I, I don't want, I did not sign up for this. That is why though we make this covenant for better and worse, we don't mean worse. We don't, I'll just shut that door, no? We don't mean, uh, oh yeah, yeah, Gracie is coming. Okay, we don't mean worse, we only mean better. We say something with our head, but we don't believe in it with our heart. When we say for sickness or health, we actually only mean health. We don't mean sickness. Okay. When sickness comes, that is when irritation comes. Okay, So we will realize, he who endures, 
God says, no, endures all these temptations, all these temptations. Because you see, riches also is a temptation. Poverty is also a temptation. Health is also a temptation. Sickness is also a temptation. All these have its own temptations. Its own temptations. But the question is, will you endure? Will you endure? Okay, will you endure? And he who endures, God says, you know what? You will receive the crown of life. So he says, hold fast that nobody steals your crown. The devil does not steal your crown. In Second Timothy chapter 4 and verse 8. Okay. Okay. You can put seven and eight together also. Okay. Okay. I have fought the good fight. This is a fight of faith. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge will give me on the day. Now, this is a different crown. This is a crown where you, in the midst of unrighteousness, in the midst of sight, you choose to walk by faith. Because there is only one way the righteousness of God can be manifested in a person's life. It is by faith. It's by faith. It cannot be. The minute you step into sight, the righteousness of God stops. It stops. It's a righteousness of works. Not that in itself it is bad, but it will not be counted for your crowning on your judgment. Okay. And it doesn't matter in that period of time what you do. It may look Better than the times of faith, but it will not be counted eternally. Okay? Because there is a righteousness that comes by faith alone. So we need to realize, when you are running our race, there are crowns promised. So if you want the crown of life, you have to endure temptation. You have to endure trials. You have to endure testings. You have to endure. So... Joseph is enduring every temptation and trial. What he receives is a crown of life. He just elevated to the highest position in Egypt. Highest position in Egypt. That is life. From the dungeon to the palace. From serving everybody to everyone serving you. Okay? That's because he endured. He endured. He endured temptation. Now it is a different thing. This is the fight of faith. The good fight of faith. And he says, at the end, I have kept the faith. What does faith do? Yes, it appropriates the grace of God. And you work the works of faith. But what does it actually produce? It produces the righteousness of God. It declares God is right. Okay. The works of sight declares man is right. Man is right. So when David had this thought in his mind, if I go on like this, Saul will kill me. And he went into the Philistine camp and told Akish, I am your servant. And then he gave him a city and he built that city and he won wars and battles and he became richer and richer. And everybody, until Ziklag happened, everybody started saying, this is good. This is right. Good we followed him. We are all good. We are all prospering. We are all safe. Nobody is chasing us. Nobody is attacking us. Everything is well. The problem is there was nothing righteous about it. So on the day of judgment, everything was burned down. It's a picture of judgment. I told you there are personal judgment, there are historical, localized judgment. Ziglag is a judgment of David's 16 months life where he actually prospered. And he had peace. Nobody was chasing him. 
If you ask David from the time he killed Goliath and Saul turned against him and then before he becomes king, if you ask him which was the most peaceful period and prosperous period in your life, he will say it's the 16 months. But God burned it down because not a single work was a work of righteousness. Work of righteousness. And there are a lot of people who Christians who have compromised with the world. They have actually compromised with the world, meaning unwritten agreement they have with the devil. You leave me alone, I will leave you alone. You leave me alone, I leave me alone. And they have a very easy life. And those who refuse to compromise are always mocked and ridiculed. You look at your life and look at mine. What are you going through? But the problem is they do not know there is a time that is coming. There is a day that is coming. So, does your life produce the righteousness of God? That is what, because the purpose of faith is, it actually produces the righteousness of God. That God is right. God's way is right. Okay? So, when God tells Joshua, I have given this city to you, and all he is asked to do is walk around the walls for six days, and then seven days on the seventh day, it does not look as if Joshua is right. The people, are, everybody is wondering, well, they're keeping quiet because they're very loyal to their leader. So they keep quiet. But one day goes, two days goes, three days goes, four days goes, six, five days goes. People are wondering, is what is this? But on the seventh day, when the walls come down and take the city, you know what happens? God is proved right. Amen. What does righteousness mean? The righteousness of faith means, it means God is right. And only by faith I can prove God is right because by sight I am proving I am right. By faith I prove that God is right, that all his ways are just. That Moses understands at the end. Moses understands. And this happens by faith alone. So every command, whether it is personal, personal, or whether it is in the public realm, personal, husbands do this, wives, do this. Children, do this. Fathers, do this. You can only take it by faith. If you take it by faith and stand on it, what you produce is the righteousness of God. It will not be seen immediately. When God said, I know Abraham, he will command his children. It didn't look like that was happening in his family. But in eternity we will see all the children God has are the ones who obeyed Abraham. Because what is the gift of Abraham? The promise of Abraham is the Holy Spirit. Those who have obeyed the command of the Holy Spirit, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, are the sons of God. Do you know who they are? They are Abraham's children. Children of Abraham. So it is not talking about a localized thing in his family, where he had to send most of his kids out of his house and keep only one there. It's not talking about that. It is talking about a spiritual application. How does it come? It comes by faith. The righteousness that comes by faith. Okay? So this is where which we need to... Crowns are not the same. Okay? You may get one crown and lose another. You may be declared righteous, but you do not have the... You do not have the intimacy with God. Intimacy with God. Okay, intimacy with God is reserved for those who overend your temptation. Righteousness is, crown of righteousness is reserved for those who walk by faith. And then when you come to, uh, first Peter, chapter five and verse four, this is, this is, 
uh, this is specialized. This is not to everybody. These are only to shepherds. These are to pastors. When the chief shepherd, that's why the address is the chief shepherd. Jesus is the chief shepherd. Appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. And it's because of all the jobs on earth, the most difficult is shepherding. It is not easy. It is because you have a trial at your home. And you have a trial out with the sheep. It is not easy. Most of the letters we get, many of the letters which we get, people do not realize. They are written by pastors' wives who are miserable. We have, let us look at two icons in Christian history. One is Charles Spurgeon. The other is John Wesley. John Wesley was one of those, we talk about 55,000 kilometers on horseback and a preacher. He had the most miserable marriage ever a pastor had. Most miserable. They were split uh, and uh, reconciled and then finally ended up splitting again. And one of the only entries, if I'm right, written in his journal about his wife is that when she left, his, his, John Wesley's quote was that, I hope I never see your evil face again. You need to realize because the pressure at home and the pressure outside. Charles Spurgeon's was different, but it was different because of a different reason. Charles Spurgeon, when he got married, uh, when he got engaged, yes, Gracie? Okay, what happened was, the day of his, his, uh, um, engagement, he told his, uh, spouse, I have a meeting in the afternoon. And she went with him. The problem was, as soon as he reached the meeting place, he forgot her. He forgot her. And he went in and he was preaching under the anointing, everything. And then she was so upset. And she came back home and she told her mother. And her mother warned her and prepared her. You need to know who is your spouse. Who's your spouse? The interesting part of the story is that by evening he came back and he said, I can't find my wife. <laughs> Because he had forgotten her until the meeting was over. Okay. And therefore, Spurgeon's wife, there is a decision she made that day. She said, I declared, it was ever settled purpose of my married life that I should never hinder him in his work for the Lord, never try to keep him from fulfilling his engagements, never plead my own ill health as a reason why he should remain at home with me. I thank God now that he enabled me to carry out this determination. Okay. So the shepherd's crown is a crown of glory because he is battling. You, you look at all the big men in the Bible, all the big men in the Bible who were actual shepherds, not our people, but shepherds. So you have Abraham trouble, you have Isaac trouble, you have Jacob trouble, you have Moses trouble with the people and at home. You have trouble with the people, you come home, you have more trouble at home. Okay? So why is a shepherd giving, getting a crown of glory? Because, because the greatest reward and the severest indictments, if you read the Bible, are both reserved for the shepherds. 
for the shepherds. So the shepherd's call is not. That's why I'm telling you so many of the letters we have got over the years are from pastor's wife. Because they don't understand their husband's calling. Their husband's calling. They don't understand their husband's calling. You know, and they become an hindrance. They become an hindrance. They become an hindrance. So each crown has its own challenges. If it's a crown of life, it has its own challenge. Okay, if you go to uh, Revelation chapter 2 and verse 10. Do not be faithful until death. Why? Do not fear any of these things which you are about to suffer. You have to endure this trial that is coming. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested. You will have tribulation 10 days. We don't know how long that period is. But what I expect you, I expect you to be faithful until death. If you are faithful until death, I will give you the crown of life. Okay. So he who endures temptation, endure till when? You have to be till the end. You have to be faithful till your death. And he says, I will give you the crown of life. And then when you come to, you know, Philippians chapter 4 and verse 1. Again, okay. Therefore, my beloved and longed for brethren, my joy and crown. So stand fast in the Lord, beloved. If you come to First Thessalonians 2.19. 290. Okay. For what is our hope, our joy, or crown of rejoicing? Is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? Okay. Like in modern, modern terms, let us put across. Okay. When you will see, when, let us say, a class 10, a particular class, everyone passes, everyone is caught. Whatever grade A, A plus or whatever. Whose, whose glory is that? The teachers. The teacher's glory. Okay? So Paul is talking about another crown. What is that crown? It is for the shepherd who has laid down his life for his sheep. And they understood. They understood. Okay? And they have learned from his pattern. And when the Jesus comes, all the sheep come through. They come through. They are grateful to their shepherd. And that coming of the sheep itself is the crown of their rejoicing. Their rejoicing. Like I tell you, you know, all you have to see practically. In a home, when a child does extremely well, the child is excited for a day or two or one week, two. After that, the child forgets. So the parents don't. For the parents, it's a source of joy every time when they can talk to somebody. It's a source of joy because my kids did well. Okay? So for the shepherds whose flock came through and came through well, came through well, okay, that group that comes through itself is the crown of their rejoicing. Okay. Many shepherds may get the crown of life because they endured. They may get the crown of righteousness. They walk by faith. They may get the crown of glory. Okay. Because they shepherded well. But they may not get the crown of rejoicing. They may not get the crown of rejoicing. 
Okay. So these crowns are there. Crowns are there. And so God is not asking us to just run in random. Okay. So otherwise then if we get saved, we should have died and gone to heaven. Everyone who as soon as he's baptized, he never rises. He just goes. But what's the prop, what is the purpose of us living after that? The purpose is that he's preparing a set of people for eternity. Okay. Who will rule eternity on his behalf? Okay. And they will have privileges. It is fair. It is just. They will have privileges which others do not have. Joseph has 11 brothers. 10 brothers have privileges. Benjamin has privilege more than others. Let us look at that and stop. All our brothers. Go to the book of Genesis. Okay, there are two things I want to show you from the book of Genesis about Joseph and Benjamin. Verse 34, 43-34. Then he took servings to them from before him, but Benjamin's serving was five times as much as any of theirs. So they drank and were merry with them. Why was Benjamin's five times more? Just because he was his brother? Because Benjamin was the only one who never sinned against him. Unlike the other. Unlike the other. Okay. Then, when you come to Chapter 45. Okay. Came to chapter 45? Yeah. Verse 14 and 15. Then he fell on his brother Benjamin's neck and wept. And Benjamin wept on his neck. Moreover, he kissed all his brothers and wept over them. And after that, his brothers talked with him. Do you see something there different between the 14 and 15? One, he wept on his brother Benjamin's neck and Benjamin wept on his neck. He wept on his brother's neck, but they don't weep back. Because they don't have that intimacy. They don't have that intimacy with him. Benjamin has an, it has been granted an intimacy with Joseph, which the others don't have with him. So in heaven, when God is talking about a crown of life, crown of life, there will be these overcomers who have endured and come through life. Okay, because what is that you have to endure? All the trials, temptations, everything is basically, this when it comes to temptation is basically to stop loving God and to stop loving man. Envy, jealousy, bitterness, or no gossiping, stabbing, all these things happen within the church. We are not talking about the outer world. All these are written what happens within the church not being merciful and kind and long-suffering and still all this happens within. And you know what happens? As you go through this process, what you are losing in eternity is intimacy with God. And you will realize in all the gossiping and slander against the father, against the brother, everything, one person who was not involved was Benjamin. Benjamin stayed out of it. Stayed out of it. And therefore he is granted an intimacy with Joseph, which the others do not have. And the question you need to ask is, how did they lose it? Did Joseph take it away from them? No, he wept over their necks. They lost it themselves. 
they lost it themselves joseph didn't take it away from them he wept over their necks jesus does not take it away from us we lost it because we didn't realize what is the way for intimacy with god on earth that's why he's saying everything is decided in this life not in the coming life coming life only judgments are made but everything is being determined here whether you're going to get the crown of life whether you're going to get the crown of righteousness whether as a shepherd you're going to get the crown of glory as a shepherd do you receive the crown not just shepherd i believe others to a crown of rejoicing because the bible says o barren barren shout sing your children are more remember that is always told to a barren woman and imagine the rejoicing of mother teresa she's a barren woman who brought forth more children than any woman imagine her rejoicing the number of people who actually believed in jesus because of her and she's when they come over there and she when the rapture takes place and there is you can you imagine her rejoicing so there are people like that who have brought people into the kingdom and nurtured them and loved them and ministered them treated them as their own children you know as their own you no know? that's what paul is talking about you look at acts chapter 19 and see the reaction of the ephesus church when he is leaving they wept he said you won't see me again they wept they wept this is what we we are talking about so when god is saying is that first you have a crown philadelphia you have a crown you have a crown Okay, if you go back to yeah, they all wept freely, fell on Paul's neck and kissed him. It's like Benjamin and Joseph. Okay, now if you go back to that last verse in the book of uh, Revelation, okay, hold fast what you have, that no one may take your crown. It doesn't say what crown it is. Okay, in Smyrna he makes it very clear: it's the crown of life. to philadelphia he doesn't say what crown is you can get any of these crowns and the shepherd will get the crown of glory also okay you can get the crown of life you can get the crown of uh, righteousness you can get the crown of rejoicing you can get the crown you can okay so you need to realize he's saying hold fast meaning what does it mean you have to continue we read that from ezekiel you know if the righteous man decides he's going to go easy on his righteousness then he will lose everything okay so god says go please understand that it is not talking about salvation okay to lose your salvation is possible it's not very easy to turn your back and go away from christ is not very very easy but the problem is you can end up with nothing in heaven nothing in heaven and that is where when it comes to philadelphia he doesn't mention what crown it is he says see that no one takes your crown and the thing is that continue this way till the end hold fast hang in there till the end yes and we shall go to we shall go to peter and the weekends it's not the weekend the weekends father this morning which has come to you lord which is one thank you father thank you lord 20 days father into this 10th month we just want to thank you thank you thank you father thank you lord thank you thank you father thank you lord this morning we come at all the dear ones lord i pray lord every one of them in spite of what they are going through horrendous times lord will stand fast 
Hold fast, Lord. Will not quit. Will not give up. Will not take the easy way out of Father. But will fight that good fight of faith, O Lord. Because the reward that is promised is unbelievable, Lord. And it is eternal. It is forever and ever, O Lord. And I pray, Father, people will be truly, truly be motivated within the body of Christ to run. To run, Father, to run their race. Ignoring the temporal. Because the things that we see are temporal, very temporal. And more temporal for us than any generation that lived before us. Because soon, very soon, the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdom of a Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The messianic reign will soon begin. Where the son of David will rule from Jerusalem. Jerusalem that has become a cup of trembling for all nations around. And when that day happens, every knee will bow. The knee of Jew and Gentile. Hamas and Hezbollah. It doesn't matter what titles they give themselves. But on that day, there will be only one name. The name of Jesus. And every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. Jesus is Lord. Therefore I pray. Your people. Everywhere. In the city. In the towns. In the desert. In the caves. Wherever they are. Will never. Never give up. Because when you come. When you lift us up, it will be swiftly. It will be like you delivered Joseph out of the dungeon. It is how you delivered Egypt out of Israel out of Egypt. How you lifted Daniel from the lion's den and preserved his friends in the midst of fire. Fire that had been heated up seven times over. It will happen swiftly. So I pray, Lord, everyone, whatever sphere they have been called, from Ace to Arch, because we see many who started with them, crumbling, quitting, going for plea deals with the enemy. Because they didn't have that in them. Yet there are many lying in prison who refuse to take a deal Even today, refuse to make a deal. Because they too have seen, this is temporal. This is temporal. Eternity is coming. Every man of God was offered a plea deal. Richard Wombrand was offered a deal. Watch many. They are icons in our own times. They refused. Because they held fast. Therefore, they all will receive the crowns that you have promised. And I pray, Father, we too will stand. Stand and hold fast. Hold fast. Because the one who promised is faithful. 
eyes of our understanding. We need salve for our eyes that we may see. Blood for our ears that we may hear. And might and power of God that we may stand. And all is freely available to those who believe. Come is the cry. Come boldly. Come cast your burdens. Come drink. The cry from God is always come. I pray today somebody will take heart and come to you and their days of wandering would stop and there would be purpose in their life today because they came to you and could see like that blind man who went to Shalom and washed his eyes when he was questioned his answer was I know one thing I know I was blind but now I see. Bartimaeus was blind. But one day he could see. And he followed Jesus to Jerusalem. Because he could see. If you can't see. How can we follow? Anoint eyes today Lord. Touch ears today Lord. That we are quickening of Father in the inner man. The very spirit that raised Jesus from the dead says he dwells in us. He will quicken our mortal bodies. There are many, Lord. They are aging. They are weary in their bodies, tired, running, waiting. But Father, I pray today there would be a quickening in their mortal bodies by your spirit. They would receive a new infusion of strength and power and might, O oh God. And the doors that were shut would fling open, O oh Lord. Or oh, there would be an intervention from heaven, O oh Lord. Every door in that prison in Philippi was shut, but there was a divine intervention, Lord. Chains came off and doors were opened. There was a divine intervention. Peter was imprisoned, O oh Lord. Doors were opened. Angelic intervention, Lord. And I pray today, Father, believe, believe, and you will see doors that were shut for so long will be flung open. Jesus told Martha and Mary, if you believe, you will see. And they in their lifetime saw the greatest door ever opened for man. The door of resurrection. The brother was dead and buried for four days. But when Jesus cried out, Lazarus come forth. Death had to release him. I pray, Father, today your people will receive resurrection power, Lord. The power of resurrection. The greatest door that was shut for man for 4,000 years was flung open 
And Jesus rose from the dead. And that very power that raised Jesus from the dead is the one who dwells in your children. Let our eyes see. Let our eyes see who dwells in us. And what he is able to do for us and through us. He will not shorten your arm by our unbelief. We believe. We believe all things are possible with God. We believe nothing is too difficult for God. We believe, therefore we confess. What is impossible for man is possible for God, we believe. Seas have been parted. Mountains have been brought low. Stars were flung into space. Fire was rained from heaven. Nothing is impossible with our God. A virgin could conceive. What is impossible with God? Nothing, nothing, nothing. Arise, O God. Arise, O God. Arise, O God. Your enemies will be scattered. Your enemies will be confused. Your enemies will turn one against another and destroy themselves. And your people by faith will just stand and see their deliverance. Your people will have favor with kings and men and women in authority. Simply because they believed. They believed. It is not the ones who sit on positions of authority that matter. But the God who holds their hearts in their hands and directs their courses as he wishes. Therefore we pray thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How is it possible man may ask and we will say because he holds the hearts of kings in his hand and when his people cry out he directs their decisions. Haman made plan and plot the destruction of God's people. But the king's heart is in God's hands. And when Esther goes into his presence, she will receive favor with God and with man and save her people. For God had committed the lives of his people into the hands of a young Hebrew girl who believed And our words were, if I die, I die. If I perish, I perish. But I will go to the king. She knew who her God was. And he hasn't changed. He's the same yesterday, today and forever. Therefore we magnify Jesus. Not our problems. We magnify and lift Jesus up. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. King of kings and Lord of lords, seated on the throne. And your throne is an everlasting throne forever and ever and ever. We magnify you, Lord. We magnify you, Lord. We magnify you. We just thank you. We just thank you. We just thank you. We just thank you, Lord. Be with us, Lord, through this day, through this weekend. Go before your people. We have truly not gone this way before. But our eyes are on you, Lord. Our eyes are on you. Therefore, by faith, we lift up holy hands. 
we bless your holy name we bless your holy name we bless your holy name and we declare thine is the kingdom the power and the glory forever and ever amen amen